It's great to see all of you and thank you so much for being here and thank you to everybody that's tuning in online or listening to this message via podcast. I'm so thankful that you would take the time uh, to tune in. I'm going to dive right in this morning to what I believe the Lord has for us as we go into a new series titled Blind Mind. The Blind Mind series is going to be focusing heavily on what's happening inside of our brains and inside of our head and the issues related to mental illness and mental health. The numbers and statistics of how many people are battling mental health disorders or mental illness is insane. Roughly 50 million Americans are battling anxiety, depression, or will have a severe episode of mental illness within the next year. I want to bring awareness to you and to this church and to everybody that's listening of how critical of a need it is that we deal with what's going on inside of our heads. The Bible has so much to say about the mind and so much to say about what's going on in our thinking, our thought life, and how to resolve it. The challenge is, is if you're battling any sort of depression, anxiety, fear, panic attacks, or especially social anxiety disorder, it can be really, really difficult for you to be at church. It can be really difficult for you to receive what the Lord wants to say and do because you have a lot of shame, worry, fear, doubt, disbelief. All those things are associated with anxiety. A lot of times when I'm anxious or I'm worried or I'm afraid is because I feel like I don't have the answers or I'm not being comforted. And one of the challenges with so much of the church today is that when it comes to mental illness, we either A, act like it doesn't exist, or B, uh, specifically and exclusively say that there's a problem with you and you have a spiritual issue in your life. When the truth is, there's a lot of factors. There's direct and indirect factors of why we think the way that we think. What I found in counseling a lot of people is that many times something happened to them when they were really young or a child, and that indirect factor that influenced them affected them their whole life. If a child was abused or a child was harmed when they were young, many times they acted out from that hurt and that pain throughout their whole life. It's not the case for everybody. But I can assure you that my own children have to make the choice to give their lives to Jesus, but I have to make the choice to father and shepherd them and love them the best that I can in the way that the Heavenly Father calls us to. If you have been hurt, wounded, or jaded by church, chances are likely that can pass on to your kids. The way you worship is what your kids will ultimately see and how they worship. I deal with people where children were uh, uh, molested or hurt at a very, very, very young age and never really got over it or just pushed it out of their mind or it triggered them all the rest of their life. The main triggers come from shame and not feeling valued and cared for and loved. But the great news is in the kingdom, it's everything opposite. It's true love, it's true life, it's true healing, it's true family, and there's hope for you if you're battling or struggling with any sort of mental illness today. You need to understand that there's no shame. Okay, there's no shame if you're on medication. Because it's easy for us if you have a broken arm or if you have a blood pressure issue to say go to the doctor and get on medication. Do you think it'd be weird for me to say if you have a sickness, especially a, a disease or a terminally ill disease, would it be weird for, for me to say don't go to a doctor? Yes, it would be. And so I'm not going to stand up here and say that I have all the answers. The truth is, is God raised up, raises up psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists that can be trained in very specific ways to help people with mental illness. But the church also has to help people. The church also has to step into the understanding that we have an answer and we can bring hope and health and healing together with the therapist, the psychologist, and the psychiatrist, and the medication. Yeah. 
So there's no shame today. If any of you are on medication for depression, uh, ADD, anxiety, whatever it is, if you've had real struggles with mental illness, panic attacks, schizophrenia, uh, unipolar, bipolar, uh, psychosis, any types of those things, what I want you to know is there's help, hope, and healing for you, and there's no shame at Rock City Church. So we're going to tear down the stigma. There's a lot of stigmas that revolve around mental health. For example, here's a stereotype. Anybody battling mental health could potentially be violent or kill someone. Really? In fact, the statistics show with the vast number, the millions of people battling mental illness, that most, most of them are not violent. Now, a lot of the violence that we see, especially with mass murders and other things, of course, you think the person was mental? Yes, they were. But that's not the norm. The norm is, is most people are hiding, isolated, alone, and don't feel like they have anybody that they can talk to. Their hearts are racing. They feel angry. They're hurt. They're, they're struggling. They feel alone. They feel like nobody cares. They don't have anybody comforting them. Or if you try to come to the church, the church is going to solely say, well, you don't pray enough. You don't have enough faith. You're not uh, strong enough. Why don't you read your Bible? That's not the right answer. The right answer is let's bring comfort and love and life to you, and let's get you to a place where you can start to do the things that you need to do spiritually. It's not one or the other. It's both. If somebody's battling heavy drug addiction, do you think that it would be good for them to get sober and get into a rehab? The answer is yes. When somebody's under heavy demonic influence and battling severe addiction, anger, and many of the mental illnesses that we see, you first have to get them to a place where they can gain some understanding and think sober-minded somewhat. You know why? Let's all say this together. You ready? Say this with me. Say, you can't reason with a demon. Let me make sure that everybody also understands as we dive into the issue of mental health, everybody that's watching online or listening, I want to make sure that it's very explicitly clear. Our foundation is a man, not a belief system. I know you, we'd like really good information, help me to modify my behavior, and sometimes people need behavior modification. That's what rehab does. When you cannot make the right choices and decisions for yourself because of drugs and alcohol, you've got to get into an environment, a controlled environment, that can help you. But what we need is more controlled environments and psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and therapists that are born again. Because it's a little bit scary for me to think about having somebody tell you how to think that doesn't have the mind of Christ. Wouldn't you say? So we're not going to be haughty and pompous to say that, you know, I have every answer and it's just that simple. There's so many different factors that contribute to mental illness. So many. There's environmental factors. The, the, where you were raised, if you were raised in the projects or if you were raised in a really wealthy home. Both can have the same set of problems. But the environment that you're raised in the, the things you experience, what's going on in the society around you, belief systems, what, whether you were nourished and loved and cherished as a child properly. Most of the time I meet people that have spun out throughout their life and say, well, let's talk about your childhood and your parents. I'm not out to try to get you to relive your childhood, but what I am out to do is try to identify where did things go astray. And most people, most people will say, oh, my mom and my dad, they, they were good. They love me. But as soon as I start to ask the hard questions, 
when you compare that love and that goodness compared to God's goodness and love, it falls substantially short. The challenge is, is most people have never seen normal. And so when, when somebody comes to Rock City Church struggling in their brain, in their mind, never feeling like they fit in, having anxiety, fear, worry, feeling like you're going to get measured and judged all the time. So we just keep our mouth shut because I don't want to say anything because the first thing that's going to happen, you're going to judge me. That's dysfunction, and I don't want that in this church. You know what I want in this church? Comfort. Because if there's not comfort from the Holy Spirit and one another, it's never going to work. There's not authentic love and power from the Holy Spirit to set the captives free. We're wasting our time. People need lightning strikes from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right, Stephen? Because Stephen came up to me last and said, man, I'm really battling this. I'm battling this. And I could see that there was mental anguish. I said, you need a lightning strike from the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Put your hands out. Here he comes right now. And pow. Right? Have things changed since last week? Yes, they have. So what, what people don't need... What people don't need is a nice, if you want belief systems and great information on mental health, just Google it. I mean, really, I'm not kidding. The, the information that is available to you about mental health online is incredible. But what you don't find with most mental health information is the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding of the Word of God, learning how to get it applied into your life and people coming alongside to help them. Because it would be silly of me to expect my four-year-old to suddenly understand a university-level type teaching. I don't put my four-year-old in my 2,500 Ram truck and say, drive it away. Right? So we have to know that people are different places and battling different things, and there's a lot of different types of mental health disorders. A lot. I mean, the gamut is huge and it's wide. But what we need to do as a church is, number one, we need to talk about it and break the stigma. Number two, we need to make sure nobody feels shame. Because most people that are battling with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, fear, feel shame about it. And they don't want to go into a place like this because they feel like they'll get beat up or misunderstood. But really, the church should be a place where people can find healing and not feel beat down, broke, busted, disgusted, and discouraged, and that there's something wrong with you. That's shame. Shame says something's wrong with you. But the truth is, is God loves you and made you just the way that you are, and God can transform you, and God has the answer, so should we, because we have him in us. And the process to get you there can look unique for you and look different for you than the person sitting next to you. So why would I have a formulistic approach? What we really need is people that know how to get in the trenches and aren't so consumed with their own personal lives and people that will fight for life and be the hands and feet of Jesus and stop being so consumed about their jobs, their career, their money, me, 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 me. That's the real challenge. So we've got to tear down the stereotypes and the stigmas and not be afraid to talk about it. But the heartbeat behind this series is going to be to really help you understand a lot of spiritual and biblical truths of how people get to where they're at and how they can get out of where they're at. I have so much good stuff to talk to you about, but today we're going to focus on the most simplest of understandings. Mental health and mental illness is a serious issue in our day. Every 16 minutes, somebody will kill themselves. Every 
day, 130 people overdose on drugs. The opioid crisis in this nation is crazy. 130 people a day. Every 16 minutes, somebody's taking their life. The highest increase among mental illness patients is among young adults and youth. Did you know that? Mental health among young adults is up 20% a year. It's the fastest growing rate of mental health issues. Most people will experience a mental illness or some sort of crisis by the age of 14. So we're going to change that. And that's why we do what we do. The church has to have answers and come alongside and help people. And we need to raise up people that are specialists and understand not what, it's not one size fits all. For example, in the kingdom, there's a body. And in the body, there's a lot of different parts. And then the Bible says each part supplies, each joint supplies something. So we have to be able to have the handoff to the specialist. What this church doesn't need to be is the specialist church. It needs to be the holistic church. We're not the deliverance church. We're not the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit church. We're not the one thing. We want to be the whole thing. But I'd be amiss to say that we have everybody ready to go. But what we need to do is get everybody ready to go so that I can get specialists here. Some of, you need, some of you that have overcome drug addiction and that are doing it out there and helping people to overcome your licensed therapists and counselors need to start doing it in God's house, not just for a job. I need people raised up here so that when they come in, because the harvest has really yet to come. And when the harvest happens and people start flooding into the churches, it's not just going to be Rock City, it's going to be all the churches. Are we ready for what's coming? And what is the burden of disease in this church? The burden of disease means what is the morbidity, the mortality rate? How healthy are we? How healthy is this church? How many people are, and we're not counting, but I'm just saying, how many people are struggling with addictions and mental illness and other things? And the truth is, is if we're doing things right, there should always be a lot. But there should also be more people that are healthy and that aren't. Because if I was manic depressive, if I was bipolar, schizophrenic, if I was lying and deceptive and hiding behind the scenes, I wouldn't be able to pull anybody up and out. And sometimes people can't help themselves, so you need to help them. If somebody has a speech impediment, they go to a speech therapist. And what does a speech therapist do? It gives them a voice. When people are stuck in human trafficking and they don't know how to get out, Marlene, Pastor Marlene and a team drives down behind Memorial Hospital with all the cars lined up to pick up hookers at any given time and starts pulling them off the street or giving them an opportunity or goes to the Red Court Initiative down at the police station so that when they get arrested, they have another out if they want it. Because sometimes they don't have a voice and don't have an out. Do you understand? I'll show you a great scripture. Psalm 69, 20. This is a tragedy, in my opinion, that we're fixing. That's why we're here. We're not here to have nice, pretty church. It's not here because I need your money. It's not here because we need to fill the seats and the coffers. That's not what this is about. What this is about is rescuing those that are abandoned and neglected. The fatherless rates, the suicide rates, the opioid addiction rates, the homeless rates. If somebody's homeless, they're twice as likely to be battling severe mental illness. The highest and fastest increase of homelessness in the nation is among t uh, children and young adults. Did you know that? 
Because we always define the homeless as the really crazy person in their 60s or 70s that did drugs all their life. And we just write them off as crazy. But the truth is, is it, homelessness and suicide and opioid or drug addictions is happening at a much earlier age. So David says, reproach has broken my heart. I have a broken heart. The lies of the enemy, the lies that I've told myself. The, it, my heart is completely broken, and I'm full of heaviness. Every, any of you ever feel like you have a broken heart, and you're, and you're full of heaviness all the time? So he says, I'm looking for someone to take pity, but there wasn't anyone. I'm looking for a comforter, but I didn't find anyone. Now, as we dive deep into mental illness, and I show you from a spiritual warfare standpoint of what I believe the enemy is doing to God's people, that's where we're going to go. We're going to talk about the fact that if you don't get born again, you can receive a different spirit, a spirit of fear, a spirit of bondage, a spirit of this world, a spirit of addiction, a spirit of anger. Without being born again, you open yourself up to different types of spirits. I'll show you that. And we have to be careful because the deceiver, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians 11, the deceiver that deceived Eve is out to deceive you, the same one. The very same one. So we have to live our lives as chaste virgins. I'm going to teach you that. What does it mean to be a chaste virgin? What does it mean to remove the blinders so that the gospel can come in? And how can I help you remove the blinders? Because sometimes you need somebody to come and smash the walls down, cut the roots out, lead you to a place of forgiveness, bring you to the cross. It's called bearing one another's burdens. Turn to, the, to Galatians chapter 6. I love this scripture. This is going to set the course of where we're going. If anyone is overtaken, let's just pause right there. Some of you are getting overtaken yeah. night and day. So God raises up an army. We're on a mission to rescue people. Some of you need rescued. And you're wishing you had somebody like David did. I'm desperately crying out for somebody to have pity and comfort me, but I can't find anybody. You ever felt alone and that there's nobody there for you? Well, let's change that. My bandwidth is only so wide, but if I add 500, 600, 1,000 thousands, and then we partner with the global worldwide church of God, guess what? We're an unstoppable force. But the enemy works to get us isolated, alone, and angry, mad at each other. I wasn't there enough for you. I'll never be able to be there enough for you. My love and the person next to you, your spouse's love, is never going to be enough, right. ever. Right. You know why? Because Jesus is the all in all. When we talk about mental health, you must understand what your foundation has to be. It's the chief cornerstone. Your foundation is a man. Let's say it together. My foundation, My foundation. is a man, a not a system of beliefs. You got to meet the man. Let's say it. I got to meet the man. If you, if, I'm just telling you. My number one goal is to get you to meet the man. Because if I'm always the man, you'll always look to me. And you're never going to get the comfort you need when no one's around. Because nobody can be there enough for you. And nobody loves like Jesus loves. And nobody comforts like Jesus comforts. So let's say it together. I've got to meet the man. You want me? I'll take it a little bit further. Do you know anxiety and depression is fully mentioned in the Bible? You know that, right? I could just, just the word anxiety, just, just look it up in your 
go to BibleGateway.com and look up, just search the word anxious or anxiety. But I'm going to show you a couple of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 12, 25, and 26. If anxiety is rooted in your heart and it doesn't get rooted out, you will become depressed. If you stay anxious and don't get that out of you, if you don't get anxiety out of you, what does it lead to? Depression. But the Lord says something can shift that. Something can pull you out of your heart being depressed and anxious and fearful and afraid, and it's called a good word. Let's say a good word. word. Now, one of my main priorities in life is to get you to hear God's voice and then to make sure you're really hearing God's voice and not the voice of another. So you have to measure it. Somebody could say, man, I feel like, you know, the Lord is leading me to be like Solomon. 700 wives, here I come. I'm going to be like, no, you are misinterpreting the word. I'm going to correct you. (laughs) Right? Everybody say a good word. Say a prophetic word. The Bible says that a word spoken at the right time in the right seasons like apples of golden settings of silver. So what does a good word do to you when you get it? It should make your heart glad or bring comfort. But let's say this again. You can't reason with a demon. I can go out there right now outside of this church where there's a lot of homeless people spun out in their mind. Many of them have had lifetimes of hurt and pain and poor choices and injustices done to them. And I could sit there and prophesy over them and give them a great word and they feel so good. And then we leave and what happens? They stay the same. How about this? There are people that can come to this church, get flamed on, with experiences, experience, cry, weep, have a supernatural encounter, oh, the worship, oh, geez, the preaching was so good, and then they never really change. Let's say it together again. I need to meet the man. Not, you can't live experience to experience. You need experiences, but until you meet the man, all I'm giving you is behavior modification. Oh, a nice, quick touch. And it may make my heart feel glad, but the minute I get back home or the minute I get around my toxic family member or my toxic coworker, the minute I get with myself and I have to wrestle my own demons, I spin out of control. Because until we meet the man and have the foundation of Jesus Christ face to face, see him and behold him, we'll stay the same and live experience to experience. He's a reality. He's a person. He's not a religion. He's not a belief system. He's not a nice Sunday morning thing. He's not a product. He's a man. He's God. He's Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the Godhead. And until we're born again, it's extremely difficult, probably near impossible, to get somebody to think right and live right. The challenge is, is that people have had these crazy experiences with churches or born-again Christians. Let's not be that person or that church. Let's be healthy. Let's bring comfort. And let's be the people. Sometimes, here's how this works with a good word. Sometimes, which is the greatest word is when you hear God's voice for yourself. Can I tell you my dream as a pastor? Please make my job easy. 
Please, I, I beseech you to make my job easy. Come, come to me and say, man, pastor, I was really struggling with this. I took it to the Lord. And I feel like God said to do this. And then I can just go, yes, that sounds like the Lord. No, that doesn't sound like the Lord. My dream would be for you to know who you are in Christ, walk in your identity, hear God's voice, because the good word brings joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you're hearing God's voice, it brings joy. Most mental illness is associated with hearing the voice of another. And not every voice in your head is your own. But we think it is. You're a failure. You should quit. You're not good enough. Nobody likes you. You're never going to get this. You're never going to have that. You're ugly. You're this. You're that. It's constant accusation. That's why the devil's called the voice of the accuser. So what I want to do is I want to break shame. I want to break social anxiety disorder. Look, some of you, you get around a crowd. You can't go to a concert. It's get, being here right now is like, for some of you, a really, really, really big deal. But what you need to know is that you're safe. And what you need to know is I'm not going to just come say, oh, what's your problem? Oh, you didn't pray enough? You didn't read your Bible, did you? Oh, you don't ever worship, do you? And then what happens is, is we inadvertently put religious shame on people. Instead of me saying, hey, man, come here, give me a hug. You know how much the Lord loves you? If you could see what I see about you. If you knew that the Lord in the midst, oh yeah, you're a mess. But you know what? You're a beautiful mess. And you know what? Let's get some, let's get some life and love inside of you that'll get the desire. Sometimes pe people just need somebody to listen to, to, to listen to them, somebody to talk to. Not try to fix them all the time. Many times when I'm manifesting my own issues, I just dump them on one of my good friends like Brad McClendon or somebody else or even my wife. And I'm like, while I'm dumping, I'm, getting my, I'm answering my own questions, right? I mean, how, you know what I'm talking about. A good word brings comfort and it makes people glad. It brings gladness to my heart. Gladness in your heart is the opposite of everything related to mental illness. Right? Let's go back to that Galatians 6, 1 again. I love this scripture. This is why we're here, everybody. Let us not pretend to be arrogant and haughty and pompous that we got everything figured out. How about if we just love each other and you guys feel and know that there's no shame and there's no stigma and you're in a safe place? And sometimes you need somebody to come along and say, listen, that is a demon. Let's deal with it. And you don't know how, but you want to. And I say, okay, repeat this. Say this after me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for the doors that I've opened. And forgive me, God, for anything that I've done in my own strength. I'm a daughter or a son, and I believe that you love and care for me, and now I'm serving notice and eviction notice. And I'm sorry, God, for being angry, and I'm sorry, Lord, for being mad, 
And I'm sorry, God, for putting the blame on anybody else. I take the responsibility for what I chose to do, and I forgive those that hurt me the most. And those people that hurt me the most, whoever it is, and God shows you, maybe your mom, maybe your dad, maybe a stepbrother or a stepsister, maybe you were violated when you were a child, maybe hor something horrific happened to you, or you lost a parent when you were really young, and you never got nourishment from your dad, and you never had a father that loved you properly, but you still have to forgive them, and you still have to release them, and not hold a grudge or be angry or bitter. And you start to forgive. And in that forgiveness, you're shutting doors. And the enemy has no more place to hide inside of you because you're letting go of all the hurts and the pains and the shame. And sometimes that's what has to happen before you can ever come to the place where you can even pray right. Most people battling with anxiety and heavy depression don't even know how to pray. And some of you haven't been able to pray for a long time. Some of you haven't even been able to talk to the Lord for a long time. And my heart is to bear that burden with you. And this has to be a church that bears that burden to get you to a place where you even know that you can talk to God and not feel shame that he's going to crush you or beat you down or he's angry. So many people see God as an angry God just the same way that their dad was. So if somebody gets overtaken, what we have to do is first be, be strong. Be, understand from a spiritual standpoint, the word spiritual is the word pneumatikos, and it means to be wind-driven. It means to have the breath of God inside of you. And it means that if I get to sit with you, or if I talk with you, or if I pray with you, you're going to hear God's voice. I'm going to show you and proclaim to you who he is and what I see inside of you. You can find God in me. Can your friends and family that are spinning out find God in you? Because it says we who are spiritual, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to restore such a one, how? In a spirit of gentleness. Not just say, oh man, that's a, here comes that crazy lady again. Here's that crazy church conference lady again. Here's that person, man. That every time I talk to that person, they're weird and they're awkward and they have lost their mind. God doesn't give us a right to define anybody by crazy. And I get it. People spin out in their mind. But there's all kinds of mental illnesses that cause people to think and act. And being socially awkward, people don't know how to talk. And as soon as they get up in front of you, they freeze. And when they try to talk, their words don't come out right. Because they never had normal. And they didn't have people around them that would just love them without judging them and saying, listening, trying to understand, caring with compassion. This church will never go where we're supposed to go if we don't start having care, comfort, and compassion, and understanding, and love. And if we don't start bearing the burden of someone else, the kingdom's got to be an outward manifestation of an inward expression inside of me. And that outward manifestation is that I'm restoring people in a gentle way. And I'm realizing this, this word that says, consider yourself lest you also be tempted, is you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Don't think you're so high and mighty and haughty. Some of you have been Christians for 10, 15, 20 years, and you, you can hardly even think of what God has to say. I've read your Bible. I meet people, Christians, for years don't, don't read their Bible. 
They don't know what God says about a matter. They don't have an understanding. So we humble ourselves. We self-deprecate. We take the low road. With power and humility, we clothe ourselves with humility like Jesus did. Because when Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weak, weary, and heavy laden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what he's saying is, is you got rocky, stony ground to plow so that a field could get planted so that we can get a harvest. And the work in front of you is like plowing with 12 oxen and it's treacherous and hard and difficult and rocky and sweaty. And imagine yourself plowing hard ground in your life that seems like you can never overcome it. And he says, you know what? When you're so weak and burdened, like a plow with oxen, hook up to me. Take my yoke and then let me plow together with you. That's what Jesus says. Now I'll plow with you too. I'll make a statement to this whole church. I will never leave you. Unless God, for some odd reason, you know, my number comes up, which I don't believe is going to happen. Because I don't actually really even believe that's biblical. But the point is, <laughs> is that I believe, I'm just saying to you like, it's like, oh, a lottery, man. Here you go. Time to go home. That's, people believe that. My point is, is that, is that, as long as I stay spiritual and I stay, keep my eyes on Christ and love my wife and don't separate from her, stay really, really, really connected to my lifeline because that's what a spouse is. No matter how hard it is, God designed you to be one flesh because you couldn't do it alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So if the enemy can get us divided, then suddenly I can get isolated or alone. But if I stay connected to her, I can finish this race strong because when I got married, I actually got a promotion. Marriage is a promotion. And I don't care if you've been married five times and are single, let's do it right now, not let history repeat itself. And if you've never been married and you're single, do it right so that you don't have to go through trauma, tragedy, and difficult situations. Build a right foundation. And so it says we're to restore people, restore people. Let's say it, restore people. You know what the word restore means? It means what you were originally created to be. However you got robbed. Oh, sorry, I'm standing on your foot. Verse 2. This is pretty black and white. Bear one another's burdens. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ and do... If you've ever said, Jesus, just tell me what you want me to do. He says, get spiritual so you can restore people and bear one another's burdens. It, chances are like one in five people battle mental illness. Did you know that? One in five. So if there's 250 people here right now, do the math. One out of every fifth person is going to be battling some sort of mental health issue. What's that? 50? Well, thank you. <laughs> See? That's why I needed somebody else in my life, right? If this church is doing things right, guess what will happen? Lots of people with mental illness will come here. And they'll sit right next to you. Don't look at your spouse. I'm not talking about your spouse. Wow. Man, I hope my spouse is hearing this message today. <laughs> and when they come, what are they going to find? 
Let me tell you what this church is not called. It's not called Rock City Counseling Center. You know why? Because God's body is a family. Because when family is done right and healthy from the beginning, or when people come in broken into a family, they should find hope, comfort, love, mamas, papas, brothers, sisters, trench fighters that care about them, but don't stigmatize them or stereotype them or tear them down. The church is designed to be a family. And most of us, not all of us, have never seen family done right. I know you love oh, my parents love me so much. I know they did. But compared to God's love and the way that God does it, most of us weren't raised where our parents are interpreting dreams. And every night I tell, you know, this is what I think. I'm going to throw out a double dog dare to all y'all and everyone watching online. I, if you have little children, here's my, my challenge to you. Every single night you tell them a Bible story. And don't tell them some wimpy, sissy Bible story. I'm talking put energy and fire and life. I'm like, man, I'm telling my kids, we were talking all, all about Joseph in the dungeon, interpreting the dream for the baker and the butler, and how the butler had this dream of the branch with the three branches and the big grapes and the cup, and he lived, but the baker had three baskets on his head with bread, and the birds came and ate it out, and then he died. And my kids are like, he died? I'm like, yeah, he died. Why did he die? Well, Pharaoh was offended with him and never got over it. He had issues too. When we talk about, you know, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's dead, you know, in the furnace of fire. We talk about the fourth man walking. We talk about, and I'm like, I'm like telling stories better than any action Bible can tell. That's how much Bible I want. It's like, man, they're like, tell me a story. I'm like, oh gosh, I think I've told you all that I know already. But let's, but then I tell it to them a different way. We're talking about Pentecost. I'm like, and they were all praying in the upper room, and then tongues of fire were over their head, and then a sound from heaven came, like a mighty rushing wind. My kids are like, whoa, that's awesome. Well, if Pharaoh had a dream, six cows and seven cows and seven stalks of corn. Can you say cows and corn? Cows and corn. The next day I'm like, do you remember what dream Pharaoh had? No, I can't remember. I go, here's a hint. Most of us weren't raised where every time my child falls on his bike or gets hit or gets hurt, even, and it might be the most minor thing. And I'm not being weird about it. I'm saying, okay, let's just pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for healing this boo-boo. All right, are you feeling better? No, I'm not feeling any better. But so what? <laughs> what? So most of us aren't talking about dreams and power and fire and helping them to understand the realities of why when I walked out of church, that guy was screaming in the parking lot, cussing and yelling obscenities back at the church. What was that about, daddy? My daughter's six. So I explained to her, some people are spun out in their mind, baby. Some people, you know, all kinds of factors could have caused that to happen, and we don't know exactly what it is. And you can't try to box any one person into why they think the way they think. The main thing is, is that you make your home a home of supernatural life, and I can only do the best that I can do because I want to make sure that I don't give my children any reason
for why they did what they did. Now they have to make their choice. And some of you have made mistakes and there's mercy and forgiveness. And you need to forgive your parents no matter how bad they were, no matter what they did. Jesus is hanging on the cross. They're pulling the hair out of his beard and sticking thorns in his head, cutting his, mocking him, laughing. He did nothing wrong. Joseph lived a life of being human trafficked, sold into Egypt, sold into slavery, rejected by his own family, put into Egypt, and suddenly, here come the brothers. The famines hit everybody, and there's Joseph standing before his brothers, and they didn't recognize him, and he's over. The dreamer was put over the economy of all of Egypt. So he didn't go, ah, ah, now vengeance is mine. Remember that time you sold me out? Remember that time you threw me into the pit? You took my favorite coat of many colors that my dad gave to me? You called me a dreamer in a negative sense? He didn't go, man, if you only knew what happened to me with Potiphar and when Potiphar's wife was trying to hook up, and I've been falsely accused my whole life. I spent years in a dungeon and the people I interpreted dreams for forgot about me. And then he comes out to interpret a dream for Pharaoh and gets promoted instantly, and he wasn't bitter, he wasn't angry, and he didn't blame anybody else. He dealt with his own stuff. Yeah. We don't play the blame game. However, we recognize that if we were raised in toxic homes with toxic parents, a lot of times that made us toxic. Not every time, but most of the time. So you just bring healing and forgiveness, and you say, I release you. Now, I'm giving you to Jesus. And I'm not, and the next thing is, I'm on a little roll right now, so I'll just go with it. Don't make the vow in your heart that says, I'm never going to be like my dad. Or I'm never going to be like my mom. You know why? Because you make a vow that puts them as your measuring tool. Or your measuring stick. You know who your measuring stick is? Here, I'll give you something better to say. I just want to be like Jesus. I want to love the way Jesus loved. I want to live the way Jesus lived. And my parents blew it up and bombed it. My dad left me when I was a kid. I grew up in a babysitter. My mom had boyfriends. There was premarital sex going on in my house. I never saw normal. I was raised by a man that didn't love Jesus. I never got prayer over my life. I spun out in drugs and alcohol, and it was all their fault. Nah, it doesn't quite work like that. And I may not have known really fully what I was doing, but I made the choice for myself, and I'm not going to turn around and blame them for it. And some of you need to forgive your parents, and you're having a real hard time doing it. So our job is to restore. How? In a spirit of gentleness. You know what it means to be comforted? It means to, to bring a state of physical ease and freedom from pain and restraint. So you have pain, you're feeling restrained, and you need some comfort. It means to, be, uh, to have a prosperous and pleasant lifestyle and be secured by it. For example, here's a good example. How many of you'd like to get a really big, fat inheritance? I mean, we all would, right? And then you got a really good inheritance, and now I can live comfortably. But what you need to know, and you all should know this, is that money doesn't necessarily make you comfortable. It can provide comforts, but you can be so broken on the inside, no amount of money can bring peace to your life. Here's the better thing. God gave you an inheritance in his son, 
and through the kingdom of God and a promise for everyone. He's no respecter of persons. You can all grab a hold of it. That inheritance is better than millions of dollars from a family member. To be comforted means to ease and alleviate grief or distress. Are any of you in grief and distress? God wants to comfort you today. Are you in pain? God wants to comfort you today. Did you know that the third, well, it sometimes battles for second or third. I, I told you that the top two forms of mental illness are, are depression and anxiety, anxiety, right? Some argue that the second one are mood disorders. Meaning that you're never, you can never be settled or peaceful. Your moods are all over the place all the time. And when what happens is, is when Jesus isn't in your life and you do not have a family, you need both. When you're in pain or hurting, you will turn to other things to find comfort. Alcohol, drugs, sex, other people, other things. We're always looking to everything else. And so God wants us to look to him. He wants us to find our comfort in him. Proverbs 12, 26. I told you how anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Check this out. The righteous needs to pick their friends the right way. Because if you don't pick your friends carefully, I'm just telling you all right now. Now, I have friends that are atheists and Satanists, bikers, people that don't know the Lord, people from my past, old deadhead friends. I have lots of people in my life I used to run with, do drugs with, sell drugs with, whatever it was. But those aren't my inner circle friends. And if I'm hanging out with them all the time, I better be careful because the way of the wicked can lead me astray. In fact, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And I know some of you are like, man, I really, I, I'm, I want to go help all these people, but you're not strong enough to help them yet. That's what happened to me when I first got born again. I started hanging out with some of my pot-smoking friends, and next thing you know, I was smoking pot. And they were like, well, there's forgiveness, not that big a deal. But I wasn't strong enough. I was influenced by them. So if you get, if you're a young believer or haven't been born again that long or you're battling uh, struggles and challenges in your own life, don't think that going to the club is okay because it's not. And some of those friends that are in your life from your past or people that you think are friends are not really friends because the minute you say, no, I'm not going to toke that, I'm not going to drink that, and I'm not going to that club, I can tell you about almost 10 out of 10 times you'll stop getting phone calls. The people you think are your friends many times aren't. It doesn't mean I don't love the people that are in the world because God so loved the world that he gave himself. But the point is, is this scripture makes it clear that the friends that you choose, you better choose them carefully because they have the tendency or could potentially lead you astray. Matthew 5, 4. This is in the Beatitudes. This is Jesus on the, on the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are those who mourn. So if you're mourning, the, the scripture says you're actually blessed. You say, well, I don't feel blessed. Yeah. But if you're hurting right now, or you're hurting right now, or any of you are hurting, you have the greatest opportunity to find comfort. We have this saying here, thanks to my dear friend Brad McClendon, that in your darkest, most difficult moment, when it seems like all of the gates of hell are raging against you, 
Jesus is closer than he's ever been. Because the lie is to get you to believe that he's so far away, you can't get rescued. But if you'll just look to him and respond to his love that he has for you and say, Jesus, I need you desperately. And sometimes in that moment, it's a phone call to somebody else that can come pull you out of it or bring comfort to you. But the point is, is it says that in the midst of the morning, you're blessed because you'll find comfort. People are looking for comfort. And if I can't find it from God or his family, where will I run to? The arms of another. Well, I'm not going to run to the arms of another, but some of y'all might run to the arms of another. <laughs> I'll teach you a little bit more about this because this is going to set the course for where we're going. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, I'll give you the context of it. Paul couldn't visit the Thessalonian church, so he sent Timothy, his spiritual son. Timothy comes back with an incredible word of how well the church of Thessalonica is doing. And here's what Paul says. In all of my affliction and distress, I was actually comforted concerning your faith. The distress and comfort and the distress and affliction that he was in, he found comfort by somebody coming. And what I need and what the body of Christ needs and what you need are more people surrounding you as a family. I don't know how to do that without programming everything. If it's not somewhat grassroots, I'll have a programmed, institutionalized church. So you say, well, pastor, you preach that all the time, but, you know, I've been coming here for such a long time, and I haven't met anybody. And, you know, pastor, I've been trying to meet with you for weeks or months, and, you know, I can never seem to get an appointment with you. You know, pastor, I, I haven't met anybody, and I don't fit in at the men's group, and I go to the women's flourish fellowship, and nobody talks to me. I hear those things. So what I'm saying is, is let's change that. It's not always our issue it could be the person's as well. Sometimes people don't know how to make friends. And sometimes people, they, they can have a fence around them, which I learned from, my, from Dr. Pfeiffer, that actually can repel people away from them. But whatever the issue is, let me just self-deprecate and say, that's not our heart, and we're sorry, and we're probably not perfect either. We're all doing this together, and it takes time. Have understanding and patience. Because it can't just be me. You know how many people wanted Jesus? You know how many people would have liked a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus when he was walking the earth? He says, here's Peter. Yeah. <laughs> the doubting one. Right? So here's what I need. And here's what the kingdom needs. The kingdom needs more people that are healthy and not toxic. More people that can comfort and have pity and love and just be an ear and not try to fix everybody. The kingdom needs people that are full of the Holy Spirit and power so that they can get a lightning strike when they need it. And I just don't formulate Because when Stephen came up to me last week, I said, oh, well, dude, you know, you caused this. You're, you did this, 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 this. And let me tell you the 10 steps to get you out of it. Instead, I said, you know what you need? You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life and an encounter. Let's pray right now. And bam, the Holy Spirit came and shifted him in a second. Now you have to stay the course. You have to stay in the word, pray, keep praying in spirit, practice praying in tongues a lot. I'm talking praying in tongues a ton, right? Because you got to practice your prayer language. Paul was comforted concerning the faith of somebody else. Look at the next verse. Verse 8. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. This scripture blows my mind. What Paul's really saying is, 
if you'll stay fast, stand firm, and not waver, you'll bring life to me. I will live if you stand fast. That's such a powerful understanding of unity in the body of Christ. That if Nicole spins out, it actually affects me. If David spins out and goes sideways, it affects me. It affects all of us because we are a body and a family. It's a family. So we live when we stay strong for one another by being spiritual. It brings life to one another. Isn't that good? You guys good with that? All right, I'll give you just a couple more quick scriptures, then we're going to pray for you. So I'll just give you one more. John 14, verse 16. Jesus is going to be leaving the earth, and he says, I'm going to send somebody else for you. And this person of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send to you is going to be called a helper. The word for helper is the word pedicalesis, and it means to come alongside and bring comfort. Okay? So he's saying that the Holy Spirit will be your greatest comforter, and he's never going to leave you. He's going to abide with you forever. So I have to get you to a place where you can understand that the Holy Spirit is with you always. You can be alone, but not lonely. Some of you can have never gone without a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and as soon as one breaks up with you, you're on the rebound. Have a season where Jesus is truly your first love. Don't jump from the arms of one person to another. So he says, the helper will abide with you forever, verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him or see him, they're interchangeable words, because he dwells with you and will be where? Let's say in me. Where's the Holy Spirit? In me. Do you have just a little piece of the Holy Spirit or do you get all the Holy Spirit? That's right. And he's known as a comforter and he's known as a helper. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit full time in your life, you'll always be looking to something else to find comfort and help from. You'll feel lonely, worry. See, the Holy Spirit reminds you of truths in your head. The Holy Spirit reminds you what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit reminds you of who you are. The Holy Spirit brings the good word. The Holy Spirit brings the comfort that you need when you're in your most difficult, darkest place. Okay? Let's all stand.